If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Bank System podcast. It's episode 280. This is our 2023 Alfred Dunhill Links and Sanderson Farms Championship Bets pod. Barry O'Hanrahan and Paul Williams join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our selection for this week's DP World and PGA Tour action. Good morning, gents. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble away. You can visit begambleaway.org. For more information, and of course, please bet responsibly, visit our world-famous golf betting system website where we have in-depth betting previews for both events. We've got strokes, gained rankings for both events. Course form stats combined with current form stats in one easy-to-read sheet, plus, of course, our new predictor models. All of this content, like this podcast, is all completely free of charge with no payable. We're available on X. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. I've already put one up there for the Sanderson Farms. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Last review call here. This is our last review again. Please get some five-star reviews in. I was looking at this, actually. We haven't had any from Ireland for quite a few months. So if you're in Ireland, the Emerald Isle, and you fancy sending in a five-star review, we would really appreciate it. Right. This is from Robert, and he's in Glasgow. Five stars, still the best golf chat. Still the best golf pod out there, exclamation mark. The website is an invaluable tool for golf bettors. Please keep doing what you are doing, guys. It is greatly appreciated. That's from Rob in Glasgow. Thanks, Rob. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Rob. Nice one, Rob. I do believe, you know, that if you've... I'm pretty certain we've had one from Rob before. So you can double up. <laughs> so if you sent one in five just, just years ago, coming. send another one. Yeah, send us a refreshed one. Right, we've got an absolutely packed show. Um, we do need to have a quick decamp in terms of the Ryder Cup. We focused last week on our pod. We were all Team Europe on the overall markets. So we've all pocketed a few quid. Well done, chaps. Always good to see. Mm. In terms of correct score... We were talking, weren't we? K-Club was nine points to Europe. Glen Eagles was five points to Europe. Le Golf National, seven. It ended up Europe, 16 and a half points. USA, 11 and a half points. So the, that was the exact score. The actual gap, again, was five points, the same as Glen Eagles in 2014. Mm. So I think we pretty much called that as well. I do, mean, pretty I do comfortable. remember mentioning a four to six market. Yeah, it seemed pretty comfortable in the end, but um, it didn't quite feel like that during the day on Sunday. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then McElroy was top combined point scorer four from five matches. 
He was followed in for the each way places. Everyone I saw was were offering four places that caught the odds on the each way part of the bet. Hovland, Hatton, and Homer. Mm. Yep. Fleetwood was there, who I had a little dabble on. Missed out by one place. It's typical Tommy Fleetwood for me. Uh, he finished with three points from four matches. So Homer, top US point scorer. Played well, Homer, didn't he? Did. You know, a lot of the other players were flattened to deceive, but uh, Homer was sticking to his task. And, uh, and yeah, uh, he, he's uh, the one player on the US team I would have like nabbed in a heartbeat to go on the Euro team. Mm. Like not just for the way he played or how and how well he played, but it just seemed like his attitude was one that would have just slotted right into the our vibe. Yeah. No, I'll get that. Get we that. are admirers of Homer on this podcast, always have been. Mm. I wouldn't say we were the earliest on him, but we've, we've had some decent wins on him over yep. the last 18 months, two years. And we've always said Homer has the game for tougher golf courses. And that's why, logically, he fits to be you know doing well in majors. Yeah, he can it's, dig in, can't he? You look at that... Um, that, that final hole against uh, Matt Fitzpatrick in the uh, uh, in the in the singles, yeah. where you know he had he had to take that penalty drop and get himself up and down to to eventually win the match, and you know it takes a it takes some stones to do that at that point in the match, rather than just have a have a slight you know have a have a hack at it. And uh, yeah, fair play to him for pulling that off. That, that, that could have been Matt Fitzpatrick, the guy who was the ultimately the hero and um, and securing that final half a point that we needed at the time. But yeah, hats off to to Homer. who who does that? Who t- like that's just the one thing I did not expect to see was him taking mm. an unplayable lie. Especially you know you just think oh, I'll give it a slash and see what happens. You know you got to risk things at that stage. Yeah, it was bad, but it was a horrible, sw- watching that match was a bit of a sweat for me. I had a an accumulator on and Max winning was the, uh, was, was the final leg to click and <laughs> he, sh- he should have done it on 16 and Fitzpatrick blew it into the water. And, oh man, he followed him in. Yeah. I followed him right in. I'd love to understand or hear from the players why they like why in that situation you wouldn't lay up? Um, I mean, I know there's a good chance the the your opponent who's already in the water could make four. Perhaps that's it, and you, you have to kind of keep keep the pedal down and take the risk to try and to try and make the three and guarantee the win at that stage. Um, I'd I'd love to hear from there, like somebody flesh it out to really understand it. Um, the thinking because to me, I was screaming at the TV when he didn't when he took driver. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was actually screaming at the app because the TV coverage was so far behind. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit slack, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the thing. If you wanted to just enjoy the fun, don't like looking at the app was just a terrible way to mm. to do it. Now that said, from the way we got it in the in Europe, sounds like absolute heaven compared to the coverage in the states. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know what you guys heard about it, but there was just all out warfare. On the networks, everybody was just it was sounded unwatchable. If you're yeah. watching um, over there, yeah, a lot of ad breaks. I saw people complaining about. It's not very American, is it? 
<laughs> no, I don't know how it got from home to TV coverage. I don't think I wanted to go to TV coverage. I mean, I think uh, overall had a great week, won some bets. I didn't actually put any of the um, final score bets on. I couldn't decide because I was in kind of in around 15, 13 or something around there, but I just left those aside. Um, so... Yeah, we kind of we kind of persuaded you out of that one on the logic, did. didn't we? Just just from looking through past results, mm-hmm. and, it, and it kind of followed. As Paul said, I mean, it, at one stage they they were the Americans were literally uh, they, they were putting up a stern fight there, especially towards you know the middle part of the singles, and uh, there was one point I believe when they'd even turned those back games back to tied. Yeah. I think even Wyndham Clark didn't he sneak sneak one up at one point in, in one was, of the last matches. He was certainly tied at one point. But... Yeah, and it was looking uh, it was looking tight as you like. Mm. Yeah, it was. But I've got close. to say, I was monitoring Betfair Exchange, and it never ever shortened more than ten to one on. No, there was, uh, it, no, it, it there was did... no belief in the Americans. With the, the the actual the tie did shorten quite considerably at one point. People were taking a punt on the tie. Yeah, it, 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 I saw it drift because at one point it was down to um, 1.01 and then it went back out again, probably to, I'd say yeah. 107, something like that. So, yeah. you know, there, there was a little bit of fear in the market um, and quite rightly so because the Americans did make a fight of it. But yeah, in the end, it looks looks comfortable. It's done and dusted, chaps. Mm. I'm not, I'm not going to go into the, I'm not going to go into all of the usual Stuff about you know Cantlay and Caps and Xander and being paid. I just cannot be bothered with it all. But I thought it was a good Ryder Cup, and I and and, and special special mention. I genuinely think Luke Donald did an absolutely fantastic job with his yep, with yeah. his team, uh, and I th- I think that was a severe div- difference maker because I said this months ago. I did have didn't have any faith in Zach Johnson whatsoever. And and that came that that came from when I I basically watched him making his picks post tour yeah, championship. I very just, much. There was there, I I had no confidence in the guy whatsoever. Mm. No, get that. There's, there's some noise about Luke Donald staying under. I know that's not the done thing, but um, there's certainly some some voices suggesting that that should be the uh, the way to to go forward. But I, think I expect I, it won't. No, why would you? Why would you put it at risk? Why would you put mm. your like you've got you've won the Ryder Cup? That's that's now you've got that forever. Um, yeah. As much as he would have enjoyed it, I'm sure it was also highly stressful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he did, he did, he did a phenomenal, thing. phenomenal job. And I don't know why this is just brought up straight away instead of enjoying the win. It's just immediately it's like next one. What what the next one you're going, mm. guys? Can yeah. we just enjoy this for now? Yeah. No, I get that. Beth he, Page he was, Black. Beth Page yeah. Black in New York. It's going to be rowdy. I don't know. It's got to be a bit wild. <laughs> it's going to be wild. It's a crap. One thing, like, the first thing that came to my mind, Beth Page Black, clearly, you know, the Americans do want a drag strip. They want low rough, wide fairways. They want birdies. Uh, that, to me, logically doesn't 100% fit as a course <laughs> setup mm. to Beth Page Black. Not even close to 100%. It's, which is one yeah. of the most... Terrifying golf courses in North America. Yeah, it's a proper major test. Absolutely. Mm. Right, on to this week. We've got two two tournaments, PJ Tour and DP World Tour. 
let's start with the Sanderson Farms Championship on the PGA Tour. A rather chunky 8.2 million prize fund, which compares to just 5 million at the Alfred Dunhill links, even though the Alfred Dunhill's got a far better field. But that's modern golf, that's where we're at. Um, in terms of this week and the Alfred Dunhill, uh, sorry, and the Sanderson Farms, we're highlighting Bet365 as best bookmaker. As ever, they're running each way extra market available, which gives you the option to increase or decrease the number of places when you're betting pre-event on the Sanderson outright market. I've used their eight places each way at one fifth the odds market, specifically on three of my selections this week. Right now, as we record the pod, they are offering extended market best odds and eight places each way on market leaders, such as the favourite Ludwig Oberg, 12 to 1 favourite. Emiliano Grio at 25 to 1. We've got Adam Svensson and Bo Hosler, 40 to 1. Or how about friend of the podcast, Kevin Yu? He's 66 to 1, eight places each way with Bet365. He is as short as 50 to 1 with Unibet, who are only offering six places each way at 150 odds. Boosts this week, we've got Ludwig Aberg. 12 to 1 up to 14 to 1. And Matt Fitzpatrick at the Alfred Dunhill. He's being boosted by Bet365. 10 to 1 up to 11 to 1. We recommend Bet365 if you are 18 plus and do not have a Bet365 sports account. You can find details of their current Bet10 pounds, get 30 pounds in free bets, new customer promotion, plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's in this podcast description. Don't forget to use the bonus code Paul. You haven't done this for a few weeks. What's the oh, yeah. bonus code? You've woken me up. Uh, Sport30, S-P-O-R-T-3-0. When registering. Sport30 when registering. Right, Sanderson Farms. Um, you might remember this, listeners. This was the one where I think all of us last year were on we were on Sep Strucker. I don't know if you heard of him. But even then, because I looked at the commentary, we were mooting the fact that he was in the top 12 European players in the official World Golf Rankings. Might have had a sneak to get in the Ryder Cup. And people at poo-poo Sepp Stracker in the Ryder Cup. And lo and behold, what happened? Sepp Stracker gets in on a pick. Mm. We were on him at 40-1. to 1. He made a playoff with Mackenzie Hughes. And of course, Mackenzie Hughes was the victor. But it's that kind of event. It's a very poor field this week, I've got to say. Um, I don't think that this situation now is helping where the top 50 have got all of their spots for next year's signature events. But it's still a very backable event. Um, they're playing it at the Country Club of Jackson as ever. Jackson, Mississippi, down in the Deep South. Agronomy-wise, uh, we are looking at... 419 Bermuda Grass Fairways, 419 Bermuda Grass with Zeon Zoysia Grass. That's the first time I've seen that this year. We've got a bit of Zoysia in the rough, not on the fairways, but in the rough itself. It's only two inches in height, green, 6,200 square feet. So I'd say medium, maybe slightly higher than the average in terms of their size. They feature champion ultra dwarf Bermuda Grass. Champion Bermuda grass, probably, I'd say it's level now, Paul, in terms of the amount of champion golf courses we see with Tiff Eagle. Tiff Eagle seems is very much, Tiff Eagle's far more of a Florida um, grass. Yeah. 
it seems more prevalent, particularly yeah. versus Twift, Tiff Dwarf or something like that. Is uh, absolutely champion, champions right up there. Champion, yeah, very, very southeast United States uh, grass. Some, you know, if you're looking for courses that also carry it, look at Quail Hollow. Look at um, Sedgefield, where they played the Wyndham a few weeks ago. Look at St. Jude, TPC Southwind. They are courses that all um, link in with the champion Bermuda grass aspect. It's fairly wide off the tee, 29 yards at, at uh, 300 yards carry. That's five yards wider than what we saw at Silverado three weeks ago. This golf course tends to be... At the very, very highest point, 18 under par or 17 under wins this. That's in a windy renewal. I'm looking at the weather forecast right now. There's going to be a little bit of wind on Friday. Saturday's becoming gnarlier and gnarlier. So we probably might be looking at 20, 20 25 miles an hour. Uh, direction, let's just check. We're looking at a northerly wind gusting up to 2021 at the moment on the forecast that will slow scoring down in my mind i think 18 18 19 under wins this i'm thinking around about 15 to 16 gets you into the top 10 it's that kind of test mm-hmm. now in terms of shot or player shape what we are looking for to do well here Last few winners, Hughes, Burns, Garcia, Munoz, and Cam Champ. Now, within those, I'd say you've got three bombers, Champ, Garcia, and Burns. They can really get it out there. Sebastian Munoz, far shorter, I'd say mid-range in terms of length, but at the time was driving the ball straight, as you like. He was in great nick, Munoz, when he won this at 66-1. to And then last year... Mackenzie Hughes was a bit more of a curveball, 110 to 1. Had finished in the top 25 in his previous tournament at Silverado. But Hughes is very much short, crooked off the tee, and from that point can have laser weeks with his approaches. Very, very Jordan Spieth esque from that point on. Great short game, went on form, phenomenal putter. In fact, over the recent years, you'd say Hughes is a far better putter than the Jordan Speed, but I'm thinking Jordan Speed in his heyday. So there's different kinds of looks here in terms of player shape to actually can get the job done. We've even had Ryan Armour win this. Now, Ryan Armour is Ches like iron straight, short as you like, just had a great week with the irons and the putting. And ultimately, that is how this tournament tends to roll. It's who can be great with their irons and who has a fantastic week with the putter. It's one of those tournaments where negative strokes game putting will not get you into the sort of top five places. You just look every year, positive putting across virtually all of the players that are at the top five, seven spots on the leaderboard. So we need hot putters this week. Hot putters on Bermuda grass as well. Another great angle. And I think that's why most of us, are, that's why we were on Sepp Strucker last year. Because we knew, you just looked at Sepp's record. I think he'd finished in the top 10 the previous outing at the Tour Championship. Lo and behold, had won the Honda Classic last year. And most of his results of high quality were all on Bermuda grass greens. 
So that's the kind of angle that I am looking at this week in terms of my selections. Um, I also think there's something here this week potentially about we've had a period, and this was something we highlighted on the Ryder Cup pod. You had a group of Americans who 9 of 12 hadn't had any kind of competitive action since the Tour Championship. Uh, we had Kepka had played a live event and we had Thomas and Homer, amazingly enough, who had played the Fortinet. All of the other nine had played no golf since the Tour Championship. And I think there's something here about players potentially have an advantage who definitely played the Fortinet. Um, since the Tour Championship. And don't forget, with the with the weakness of this field, a lot of players haven't actually s seen any action since St Jude, which got to be seven, seven weeks ago. There's a fair chunk of players that didn't play the Fortinet and are coming in now, being airdropped in after their last event being seven weeks ago. And I, I genuinely think that, you know, that creates issues in terms of rust. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got five... Uh, there's some very familiar names to podcast regulars in there. Um, I can't help myself sometimes, but I just missed out on my top bet. Um, I almost squeaked 25 to 1, which would have been a, such an amazing price after what's happened. Uh, I managed to get 22 to 1 with William Hill, eight places each way on Eric Cole. Now, Eric Cole is pretty... He's, in, he's, he's definitely in the Mackenzie Hughes skill. Eric Cole is a terrible driver of the golf ball. Although, in recent outings, he's actually been positive off the tee. But he is one of these guys that's short and errant off the tee. But if he can, if he can drive the golf ball anything like, um, say, a zero or even, a, even plus points off the tee this week, his game from approach to around the green to the flat stick is elite level at the moment. It is absolutely fantastic. He is the lead rookie of the year. Um, he made the top 50 in the FedEx Cup, so he's into all of the big 2024 signature events. That is a massive achievement for someone like Eric Cole. His next step is literally top 50 in the world and or getting his first PGA Tour victory. And this week field, I think, is perfect. He also mentioned at the Wyndham Championship a few weeks ago, lo and behold lives in Florida, he says that his best surface is undoubtedly Bermuda grass, mm. which makes his fourth place at the Fortinet three weeks ago very, very interesting. I believe he headed tee to green for the week at the Fortinet at Silverado a few weeks ago and didn't putt overly well. But Eric Cole is an unbelievably good putter. Yeah, I believe his top is uh, in the... Well, I've got it here. He's in the top 50 for strokes going tee to green, top 24 for strokes going on approach, and top 12 for strokes going putting across the whole PGA Tour season. He's also first for total birdies made and 15th for birdie average for the whole season. So I think it's a great, great setup for him. Right, from that point on, chaps, I am up to 40. Uh, I've got three bets between 40 and and 50 to 1. I've got no idea where you're coming in at. So if you want to jump, uh, jump in with some uh, tips right now, I've where got, are you at? Yeah, I've got nothing shorter than uh, 45s, and that's 
one of those is the same as yours. I've got, I've got one that's uh, one that's triple figures, so we can touch on that a little bit later on. What about you, Baron? This this just doesn't appeal to me. This event, I'll I'll figure out one or two, but okay. nobody's really jumping. I I do have a note in my phone, a weekly note of just what players to keep an eye on. And Eric Cole is there, so um, I'm, I'm I think I might be following you on Cole. Uh, probably just go win only for tw- twenty to one. Be the, be there he, for the he, win. He does feel very Sahid Tagala from three weeks ago. Bloody obvious, but things yeah, seem no, to annoyingly be aligning. Short. Mm. Um, next up for me, Adam Svensson. I'm a little bit iffy on Adam because he's one of these players that hasn't played for a while. But he did make the top 50. He did play Olympia Fields, the BMW Championship. He was 15th. He was 15th at Olympia Fields in that mini-major quality tournament. And as we know with Adam Svensson, as we know with Canadian golf right now, Corey Connors, Nick Taylor, Mackenzie Hughes and Svensson himself have all won on the PGA Tour in the past 12 months. And we've seen over the years with Australians, South Africans, South Koreans, success breeds success. We've just got over the Ryder Cup. Of course, now the President's Cup is within 12 months. And for the internationals, they will undoubtedly be on the hunt to get into Mike Weir's team. The the tournament itself, the President's Cup, is taking place at Royal Montreal Golf Club in Canada. So do not be surprised to see in the next three to six months, Canadians going well at PGA Tour level. That's all I'll say. Svensson's playing some great stuff. Across my eight-week strokes gained analysis, he ranks in the top 15 for off the tee and putting. Thank you very much. He's top 10 for tee to green, and he's top five for approach. He also ranks third for strokes gained current form behind Ludwig Aberg and Eric Cole. Just on Ludwig, clearly an outstanding talent. Um, I just think... After the scenes of Sunday, travelling back to Mississippi, can you see Ludwig putting together four hot rounds needed to get the job done? To me, it's a bit of an ask at 12-1. to But he's definitely someone I think we need to be keeping a close eye on moving uh, moving forward, Ludwig, on the PGA Tour. Paul said to me yesterday, why is Ludwig even playing? The fact is... That as it stands, because he hit the PGA Tour late, he's still outside the top 125 when it comes to FedEx Cup rankings. So he needs some results just to make sure that he gets his full playing privileges. I know it sounds ridiculous. Uh, full playing privileges for next year. So I've got one and a half points each way. 41 with William Hill, eight places each way on Adam Svensson. I've also gone for podcast favourite, and we were following him, chaps, at Wentworth, Tom Hoagie. Mm. One and a half points each way, 45 to one with bet 365, each way extra, eight places each way on Hoagie. These kind of events, Tom Hoagie, um, a golf course that can be competitive to shorter hitters, a golf course that means 
or leads to low scoring, I just always like Tom Hoagie. Always like Hoagie on these kind of events. He's had a 39th and a 28th here across two of his last three visits. The one that interested me was 2020. Back then he was ranked 201st in the world. He's now ranked 50th. And he was second heading into the weekend. And we followed him for a few holes at Wentworth. And his, his game looked in good nick. He just wasn't making many putts. And we discussed this again last week. 10 to 10.5 stimp greens for the Americans at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. People, you know, North American specialists, guys that play their golf week in, week out in the States struggle with the green speeds when they come to Europe. As a rule. I think Hoagie going back to the States and playing on greens that are far more up to speed to what he's used to, and then linking back to what he did at Wentworth, which was fourth for strokes gain on approach and 11th for tee to green at the BMW PGA. If he can get that flat stick working again, I can see Hoagie going very, very well. He is fighting for top 50 ranking for the close of the year because... He made the top 50 in the FedEx Cup. So, yeah, 2024 signature events all locked up. But if he wants to be guaranteeing himself a master's spot for 2024, if he can be in the top 50 at Christmas, he'll be getting that nice invite landing on his doorstep. Tom, get yourself along to Georgia next April for the Masters. And that is a big, big motivating factor for a lot of golfers at this. Why do you think he's playing? It's effectively he wants top 50 in the world. Yeah. So Cole, Svensson, Hoagie. I've then got Sam Ryder at 50 to 1. Who, um, if, I, if I look at this week's predictor model, Paul, I pulled together yesterday morning as I was doing all of my research. The top three in my predictor model were, number one, Tom Hoagie. Number two, Sam Ryder. Number three, Eric Cole. And sometimes you look at these things and you think, well, yeah, it all makes logical sense. And <laughs> Ryder was on my shortlist. The kind of player that goes very, very well on low-scoring events. He's had a decent year. In fact, he's, he's, he's almost at his highest ever world ranking right now. And that's come from 8th at El Comedian last autumn, 4th at Torrey Pines, 3rd at TPC San Antonio. Even across the last three tournaments he's played, he's had a 7th at the 3M Open and a 14th at the Fortinet three weeks ago. So two of his last four outings have seen a 7th and a 14th. The thing with Sam Ryder is he's usually an absolutely phenomenal putter. But at the moment, he seems to have gone through a bit of a revolution where his tee to green game is absolutely stunning and he's a little bit negative in terms of his putting so whether he's changed coach or whether something's clicked all of a sudden Sam Ryder's approach game is absolutely lights out if he can get the putter back bearing in mind he's still ranking for the whole season 12th for strokes gained putting across the full uh, it'd be year and year and a month 12th for strokes gained putting over that period I think Ryder could go very very close at 50 to 1 a tour made it, but we know he's Ryder. He's been in many, many contending performances over the years and not quite got over the line. Yeah. But the fact that he was fourth at Torrey Pines in a loaded event and third at the Valero Texas Open suggests that when he is finding himself or close to the top of the leaderboards, he's just starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. So those are my 
four below 50 to one. Ryder, Hoagie, Svensson and Eric Cole. Who's the one of mine, Paul, that you're on there in that in that mid-range area? Uh, Tom Hoagie. I, 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 you know, when I read the content that you wrote yesterday and um, your argument for him, and combined with, as you said, you know, we followed him around for a bit at Wentworth and... Uh, yeah, as you said, his long game looked looked really quite good. If you look yeah. at statistically compared to, because he played um, he played the Irish Open as well, and from a strokes gain approach and strokes gain tee to green perspective, he was really poor at the Irish Open, and turned both of those aspects around quite dramatically at Wentworth. Fourth mm-hmm. for strokes gain approach, eleventh um, for strokes gain tee to green, so a massive improvement, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's coming into this a relatively weak field, and as you said, um, if you map his world ranking compared to the rest of the field, he's right up there. I believe um, he's yeah. second, Paul. Second yeah. in this field in terms of world ranking. But how far down the betting list do you need to go to find this guy who's, you know, in theory the second best player in this field? Absolutely, it's, top twenty. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it doesn't compute. So I think on value grounds in that respect, um, I think he's a great bet. I think he's a great each way bet, and um, yeah, fully concur with uh, with everything you said there. Yeah, he's the he's the one. I've got one at one twenty five, which uh, I can do now or after you finish. Yeah, you crack on. So the other one um, I've backed is Martin Laird, and uh, I thought 125. Came, close. Came very close, I did. Well, yeah, and he came very close at the 3M Open, didn't he? Finished second there. Um, and I thought his numbers coming out of that were really good. Fifth for strokes gain off the tee, second for strokes gain putting. And as you said, you're going to need to bring the putter this week. So to see Martin Laird putting well... Um, is you know a, a real positive for him, and it wasn't just a flash in the pan because he um, he had six weeks off, played the forty net last time out a couple yeah. of weeks back. I was on, and him. yeah, exactly, and uh, he finished nineteenth, so you know, creditable position, but eighth again for strokes game putting. Yeah, so um, you know something's working with the flat stick. Seventh back here in two thousand and eighteen, so it's got a bit of a course form as well. And yeah, I I wasn't expecting to get. Um, you know, 125s or even 100s with the extended places, but it's out there. So, um, so yeah, gobbled that up. Thank you very much. Seems to be another unfashionable sort, Martin Laird. It does, yeah. Yeah. I, I, looking at his numbers, I'd say no logical reason why he can't or shouldn't contend if he has a good week. So, no. yeah, happy to take that on. Before we get to Barry, I'm just going to take you through my last tip, point each way. 55 to 1. Uh, just out of interest, the average winning price over the last four years here is 66s. So these mid these mid mid price guys are very, very much in play. Um, if you're going down the route of Champ, Garcia and Burns, and I understand that Burns and Garcia were clearly a far greater level than Callum Tarrant. <laughs> Tarrant, though, kind of fits because this guy, English, comes from Darlington up in County Durham. But Callum Tarrant, when he's on, he is absolutely stellar driver of the golf ball. He's outstanding from off the tee. And when he was struggling mid-season... Um, his driving was all the game fell apart, and then you just and we say we've seen this we've said this for years. You can 
when a player loses his main strength, they really are kind of floating out at sea. They, they, you know, the strength isn't there. And then slowly you start to see it and in the stats. All of a sudden, the driver starts to work with Taron. Approach poor, putting poor. Outing or two later, lo and behold, all of a sudden, the approach play then comes. So all of a sudden, tee to green a lot better, but the putter is still ice cold. And then we've seen with Taron, last three or four outings, all of a sudden, he's making putts. And that makes him a real danger around here for me. Someone that can gobble up the par fives. Someone that's outstanding from off the tee and in recent times has been positive with the putter. He was 13th here last year. So I think Taron makes a lot of logical sense for me. He also finished second at the RSM Classic at the end of last year. And if you look at Sebastian Munoz and you look at Mackenzie Hughes... Hughes has got a first and second at Sea Island. Munoz has had a couple of third spots. I think that RSM classic link to just play as you've seen up towards the top of the leaderboard works quite nicely here as a correlating course. So yeah. I took 55 to 1 on Callum Tarran as well. Where are you uh, where are you gonna have a bet, if at all, Barry, I'm, at I'm, the uh, <clears throat> at the Sanderson Farms? I'm gonna come with you on Callum Tarran. We're back to um Definitely backed him once a few weeks ago. Um, mm. So, yeah. I'm there I with think you. I he's rounding into form. I, I just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad on, I'm not really loving the, the break that everybody's had. It's just hard to kind of catch people after a couple of weeks off or one, you know. So, I'm going to think I'll just limit my bets to where we're at now. Cole and Taryn and that's it. Just to confirm, at the Fortinet, Taron was first for strokes going off the tee. That's his bread and butter. 30th on approach, 30th around the green, 11th tee to green, and he gained 0.43 per round with the flat stick. He was 34th for strokes going putting. If he can just take, if he can click that to a slightly better level this week, I believe he was in the top 20 for strokes going putting on these greens 12 months ago. I think Taron's in decent shape. Right, that's the Sanderson Farms, I think. Is that the Sanderson Farms in the rear view, Merrin? Yep, all good. Let's move on to what's arguably the better tournament this week. I don't think there's much of an argument, to be honest. Fleetwood, Fitzpatrick, Fox, Taylor Gooch, don't ask, and Adrian Moronk head the betting at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. So over to you, Paul. Yeah, off to... Um... Off to St Andrews for our annual Pro-Am jaunt. Uh, yeah, as you said, well, you've got a couple. Well, in fact, you've got three of Luke Donald's um, team that have made it up to Scotland or, well, at least intend to make it up to Scotland by Thursday. Whether they've physically got themselves onto the site yet or not remains to be seen. But yeah, Tommy Fleetwood, Matt Fitzpatrick, um, Bob McIntyre's playing as well. Um, just a little bit further down the betting this week. But the first two, Tommy... Um, Ranks as the favourite this week, eight to one. Matt Fitzpatrick, twelve to one. Defending champion Ryan Fox, sixteen to one. And then, uh, as you kind of just alluded to, Steve, there's a, a few live invitees yeah. here this week, isn't there? They were direct, yeah. uh, direct <laughs> sponsor invites. Yeah. So someone at Alfred Dunhill or their parent companies clearly said, "Right, these guys are playing." I'm sure. I would have thought they'd have got some pushback potentially, but 
They're all in. Yeah. Did, have this I is seen interesting. Louis, Louis Oosthuizen, yeah. Taylor Gooch, um, yeah. Hudson Swafford, and there's one one other. Uh, Dean Bermester. Dean Bermester. Is this yeah. the first way you work on integrating live all the players between whatever tour they're on back together again? You do it through the Europe, the DP World Tour because that's owned by the PGA Tour, mostly owned. And, yeah, and do it through invites rather than any kind of ranking. And yeah, um, you slowly start just merging it all together. Cashy yeah. monkey. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've I've described it as a slow thaw in my preview this week, which perhaps uh, perhaps is the way that it will, it yeah. will start to start to manifest over the next few uh, weeks and months. But yeah, Taylor Gooch twenty to one, been playing well on the uh, live circuit as it happens. Uh, Adrian Moronk twenty twos, Bermester uh, twenty eight to one, same price. Jordan Smith, same price. Billy Horschel uh, thirty three to one now. Bob McIntyre. Um, thirty-three to one, bar the rest of the field. There are some options this week. This week is a slightly bigger field than normal. Um, Coral Labrooks, Boyle Sports, and of course Bet Three Six Five all have eight places each way, one fifth options out there this week. So do shop about. The event itself is played over three courses for the first three days. Um, we've seen this before a number of times. Same setup as um, as as is normal. St Andrews, Kingsbarns, and Carnoustie are the three courses. Of course, St Andrews is the host course, so that will host the uh, the final day. Lots of hosts in there. Um, so yes, two rounds at St Andrews and, and one each at Carnoustie and Kingsbarns for the players. Uh, they're all links courses. We've seen them many times before. There's plenty of event history stats on the website this week, so do check it out. Uh, in regular conditions, Carnoustie tends to play the tougher of the three courses. Um, with a little bit of wind, though, all three of the th- tracks can show their teeth. They can all um, present a bit of a challenge to the players, and um, it remains to be seen. The forecast, which I'll go through in a second, could um, could impact how this event plays out so we shall see the final round as i said is played at st andrews temperament is key here the rounds take an absolute age if you're looking at the leaderboard on the european tour website as it still is and you notice the players or the scores just aren't updating it's not because it's been a a halt in play or some kind of uh, technical fault it's the fact that there's just literally nothing happening the rounds can take six hours and um, i think the players need to and the ones that get involved with this do accept that it's just gonna it's gonna be that way it's gonna take an absolute age to get around and in terms of the weather now, um, we do have a bit of uh, uh, weather to consider this week. There's some light, persistent rain for the first couple of days. Although, if you look at the BBC weather forecast or the weather app, it's suggesting that there's a weather warning for the amount of rain that's potentially coming in. So, it might be really quite soggy for the first couple of days. It does become a little bit patchier over the weekend. Temperatures up to the mid-60s, maybe high 60s Fahrenheit. So, 16, 17, 18 centigrade, that kind of number. But the winds will be a feature, particularly on Friday and Saturday. I'm seeing 20 to 25 mile an hour average, particularly on Friday, and gusting 30, potentially 40 um, on Friday and, uh, and on Saturday as well, potentially. So it could be really quite tricky. Um, and that makes the uh, Kingsbarns makes Kingsbarns quite a, 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 chilling, a challenging test as well as Carnoustie. And of course, we've seen in the past, particularly at the Open Championships, 
when there's a bit of weather that comes through St Andrews, that's no picnic either. So um, if there is a bit of wind, that's going to make it a fascinating event. I very much look forward to seeing the players trying to fashion some shots in the wind should it uh, materialise this week. Let's hope that's the case. Uh, to give you a flavour of some winners here, the last eight winners, 2014 was Oliver Wilson, 500 to 1 for Ollie Wilson. 2015, Theobjorn Olsen, 200 to 1. Steve plucked him out on the podcast that particular week. Uh, 2016, Till Hatton, 66. Is Till defended the following year at 22 to 1. Lucas Berrigard, 50 to 1 in 2018. And the last three, Victor Perez, 175 to 1. Danny Willett in 2021 post-COVID was 100 to 1. And last year's winner, Ryan Fox, was a massive 80 to 1 coming into this last year. Wow. I know. It's, it, <laughs> it, it, it's an odd one with Fox because if you looked at Fox, his form at the back end or the start of last year was fantastic. And then um, mm. he went off the boil. Um, he'd missed a couple of cuts. He'd withdrawn. And I make little notes against the players when I do my analysis. And um, I went back and reviewed Ryan Fox um for this event this year just to see what i wrote against him last year and the one note that i had written next to him was injured <laughs> and that was it and uh, of course he went and won so there you go um beware the injured golfer but yeah lots of juicy prices in there um mm. and uh you know tyrell in the last eight years when he defended 22 to 1 was the shortest but plenty in the 50 60 80 100 to 1 that is crazy and- isn't it Hatton yeah, sixty six to one the first time he won here. Biergard was on fire back in twenty eighteen, fifty to one, and then he got Victor Perez, Danny Willett, and Ryan Fox one seven five one hundred and eighty to one. <laughs> so that's clearly quality players that aren't actually in great immediate form. Yep, yep. But yeah, they come along, something clicks, and uh, mm. and away they go. And yeah, you can pick pick yourself a juicy winner up if you can pluck one of those out. Statistically, if you're looking at the stats for this event, it is a bit of a minefield as you can only see the stats for St. Andrews. Um, So all the aggregated stats, anything you'll find online is for St. Andrews only and ignores Carnoustie and Kingsbarn. So it can be a little misleading. So um, do take any stats you read with a pinch of salt. Much of it depends on the conditions too. And the greens are huge here at St. Andrews. So greens and regulation stats, when you're looking at the raw numbers, tend to be really quite high. Putting is often key. Um, you, you, with such big greens, you're going to need to find a way to avoid three putts. And that's often a often a key stat as well. There's some strokes gain stats. The same caveat applies with it, though. Um, it's really patchy. You've got, at best, six rounds with players, most of them two or four, and all of them St. Andrews only. So um, do be very careful if you're pinning your analysis on some of the statistics that are out there. Incoming form, I mean, this probably explains some of the winning prices, Steve, because the incoming form of the winners really is quite yeah. patchy. Uh, the last three winners, all of them missed the cut on their previous start. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, missed cuts are good. Um, Get your needles Ber- out, chaps. Berrigard <laughs> uh, and Hatton, both of those guys um, were, uh, Hatton when he was defending, both of them had a top three in their previous uh, two starts so there was a bit of form there but um, Hatton the year before when he won his first miscut miscut 45th and he won at 66 to 1 so 
yeah, it's not one of those where you'd look for a sparkling form line historically and uh, and pluck out a winner that way. It's a mixed bag in terms of event form too. So um, Ollie Wilson, Thjorbjorn Olsen, even Danny Willett, all of those guys had finished, um, all of them had finished runner-up actually and in one of the events prior to winning. Hatton though, missed cut, missed cut before his first victory. Uh, Beregard had a poor record here. Victor Perez making his debut. Uh, Ryan Fox had had five stabs at this and had the best of 24th before winning last year. So it's one of those where um, as much as the stats are interesting to look at, um, both in terms of the skill stats and the um, you know, traditional current form, course form combinations, it doesn't feel like this is an event for the um, for the spreadsheet and analysts out there. It feels much more like a kind of a gut feel event. And uh, if you can can find the right combination in your mind as to what the motivation and those players that um, that might go well. If you think back to Ryan Fox last year, um, there was the whole Shane Warne story. Um, and, uh, you know, he's quite emotional at the end. He'd played with Sean, uh, Shane around um, St Andrews in the past. And, uh, you know, whether that was one of the you know, underlying motivators for, for Ryan Fox to get uh, over the line last last year, then, you know, fair play if that was the, that that was something that really, really helped him along. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, trying to trying to pick these intangible elements is um, could potentially be key this week. I've back four. I'll rattle through them. Um, quickly and I'll bring you guys in afterwards I'm leaving the Ryder Cup boys alone this week um, much the same as you Steve over in the States I mean, even if the hangover's gone I can't see the likes of um, Fitzpatrick or Fleetwood or even McIntyre lifting themselves immediately in these tough you know rainy windy conditions and you know, are they really going to be bothered I, I can't I can't see it if one of them does then hats off to him but not for me um i actually started my team quite a bit further down the list this week and i've um i've gone my first player is rasmus hoygaard at 40 to 1 with the unibet Um, rasmus was there last week in rome he's supporting his brother nikolai and i guess you'd expect in years to come that both the brothers will be there together especially if they keep regressing at the kind of rate they are um, Rasmus won as recently as July. That was at the Maiden Himmerland. And if you remember, that was what spurred Nikolai on um, to, to have his run of form that ultimately made him make Luke Donald's team. And perhaps it's Rasmus's turn this time round to be inspired by his brother's um, work last week. Four wins on tour now for Rasmus, all of them in the 13 to 19 under bracket. And I think that's absolutely spot on for this week. It's still going to be scorable to a degree, but I don't think the the numbers are going to get out of hand this week because of the forecast. 17th here on debut last year, fourth last time out at the Gulf National. Crucially for Rasmus, he was first for strokes game putting um, last time out at the Gulf National. So um, the putter's working. That's a strong indicator for Rasmus to go and have a good week, I think. Uh, So Rasmus is in. I've also backed Matt Wallace. And I think he's another one who could be inspired by last week. Wallace was inside the ropes last week. He was commentating for BBC Radio 5 Live. Uh, All I've seen from him on social media is that he absolutely loved it. And by all accounts, he was fantastic value on that. Um, the amount of positive feedback I've read um, on all of the social media platforms about how well Matt Wallace came across the insight and uh, you know ha- having someone on the ground who knew the game um, 
it was incredibly well received. And I think he's the kind of player, a kind of person who will absolutely love that. He will really enjoy seeing that positive feedback. And I think that will give a massive positive vibe. And uh, I, I think he can come into this and, uh, you know, with a real spring in his step and go well this week. He won the Corrales over on the PGA Tour early in the season. He was second at the Czech, um, the Czech Masters when he was desperately trying to impress uh, Luke. Yeah, at the eleventh hour, wasn't it? He, was, he needed something dramatic at that point. He tends to leave it really late. His uh, his campaigns to get into the Ryder Cup teams, or too late, as the case may be. But um, yeah, second at the Czech Republic wasn't uh, wasn't good enough, and um, kind of went off the boil a little bit. Swapped caddies again. He likes to go through a few caddies, Matt Wallace, but um, <laughs> that's that's nothing unusual for him. It could actually be a positive. Choose think. them up. He does, yeah. He chews them up, shouts at them a bit, spits them out, and moves on to moves on to another. Mm. Um, must be quite a lucrative um, uh, job for him, though, because he does tend to to notch a few uh, decent finishes. He's got some good links for him. Second at Hillside, second at Fairmont St Andrews. Should have won that one at Fairmont St Andrews a couple of years ago, to be fair. Um, and he's been in the frame here at times as well. Sixth to halfway on debut. Um, he was the co-first round leader here in 2018. He closed with a 65 at St Andrews in 2019 as well. So a little bit of an underlying form around this course as well. Uh, the other two I've backed, Ewan Ferguson, 60 to 1. Um, there's a little bit of 66s out there this morning, but I backed him yesterday at 60s with eight places. Twice a winner last year. Could have been three if it wasn't for Oliver Wilson's hot putter at the Maiden Himmerland um, last year. Uh, first win was at Doha, and that's a good barometer for Lynx performances. Himmerland as well, that's also got some Lynxy features to, to latch on to. Uh, 12th last time he played in his homeland in Scotland, that was in a quality field at Renaissance. 17th here at St Andrews in 2021, 10th last time out of the Open to France. So lots of different stats all correlating and converging, I think, for this. 47th now, in the race to Dubai. Um, he's got a lot to play for here if he's going to make, um, you know, bolster his position and get himself over to the earth course at the back end of the uh, campaign. And what's now just over a month's time, about six weeks' time until we, uh, until we get ourselves over to the earth course for the DP World Tour Championship. And I'm sure you and Ferguson will want to be on that flight. Great chance if he has a good week here this week. The final one I backed, Eddie Pepperell, 80 to 1 yesterday, nibbled into 70s. Great British Irish players, great record here. They've won more, um, more than half of the uh, events here since the turn of the century. Eddie tends to play his best golf on linksy kind of courses, won the Qatar Masters, won at Walton Heath. Again, that was um, that was quite linksy Heathland that that particular week at Walton Heath. Both um, Qatar and Walton Heath have got some relevance, I think in some shape or form to this week's event. Playoff defeat to Soren Kjeldsen at Royal County Down, the Irish Open back in 2015. Sixth at the Irish, or oh, sorry, sixth at the Open Championship in 2018. That was the one that Francesco Molinari won. And you'll recall that was at Carnoustie, which of course part is, forms part of the, uh, the rotation this week. Very hit and miss with Eddie. Um, third at Galgoyne Castle, eighth at uh, Cran-Soucier, the Mr. Cut at the Irish Open, Mr. Cut at Wentworth. Um, I think this suits much better. Seventh place here in the past, made last five cuts on the trot. Doesn't mind this um, format, doesn't mind this event. And it's not out of the realms of possibility that we see a good week from Eddie at a strong backable each way price, I think. So Pepperell, Ferguson, 
Matt Wallace and Rasmus Huygard for me. You having a punt this week, Barry? I have a couple. I'm, I'm going to... Um, I was on Ferguson a couple of weeks ago, so I'm going to stick with that. Mm. Like yeah. it. Stay stay there. Um, you probably, I probably can't not back Pep Eddie. <laughs> j- j- just for all the reasons you said. And... Yeah, enough, enough enough on that. We can move we can move forward. The other one I'm interested in, um, he's on a really nice run of form. Um captured the sixth T six at the open to Francis Julian Brun. Yeah, yeah, it was on him, yeah. So don't you don't need to be the longest going around the links courses, which is good for him. Um pretty pretty savage golfer for greens and regulation, good putter. So um let's see if he has the patience this week. Mm. But um, you know, played in this once last year, fifty second. I mean, we've we've already talked about you don't need to be uh, don't need to have good results um, or great results in this to to go well again. And I got him at a hundred to one seven places, so let's go. Yeah, no, nice price. The tougher the better for Julian Brune. So um, yeah, if it, if it is quite gnarly, which is really quite possible, then uh, no, I can see that nice price. Very good. What about you, Steve? Why is got another Fjord Bjorn Olsen up your sleeve. Why is Kazuki Higger 250 to 1? He came sixth at the Open to France last last time, yeah? Again, it's just one of these unfashionable names, isn't it? Seems crazy to me, but I might have a look at Kazuki. I'll tell you, I've got two, Paul. Mm. Uh, one's Matt Wallace. Yep. I th- he's uh, Mackenzie Hughes said last year when he won the Sanderson Farms, he said, you know, basically it was the week after the President's Cup. And he's like, well, the fact I wasn't on the team kind of just made me double down and want it more. Mm-hmm. I could see Wallace being in that kind of headspace. Yep. And actually, when you went through that, you know, the stuff that we went through about the, the, the names and the prices and the lack of immediate form... Matt Wallace winning this at fifty to one in twelve months' time. You'd probably all sit there and go, "Bloody hell, Matt Wallace fifty to one! Mm. It's not a bad price, is it?" No. So yeah, that kind of fits to me. I'll tell you the other one I liked, and I liked it last week when I saw him on the um, on the entry list. Callum Shinkwin. Yeah, yeah, played well last year, didn't he? He cannot putt to save his life at the moment. Get that in there at the start, but. He's had a second and an eighth at the Scottish Open in his career. He had a seventh last year in Scotland at the Hero Open, which I believe was the one they played on the old Edinburgh coast there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's had a tenth here in 2019, and he was second here last year. And I just remember him being in the later groups at Wentworth a few weeks ago, and I always think to myself, Wentworth and Callum Shinkwin, to me, aren't a coarse kind of type made in heaven. He does like to bang it off the tee. Yeah. But he's been fifth at Wentworth. And the number that really got me was at the Open de France last time out at a very stringent Le Golf National. He was fourth for tee to green. That's unbelievable. He was 7th at Wentworth. He was 51st at the Open de France. And the reason he was 51st, because he lost about nine strokes with the putter. Mm. 
But I just think coming to somewhere where he's had success in a format he clearly gets on with, in a country he's had success in. Bear in mind, he did win. Was it in England last year? He won a, he won a tournament, I believe, on the yeah, DP World has, Tour. Yeah, he's got over the line. So, um, you know, we, we, we can't uh, disparage his Sunday performances too much. But yeah. So, yeah, 70 to 1. I think as an each-way punt, top eight with Coral, I'll take Callum Shinkwin. So 50 to 1 Wallace, 70 to 1 Shinkwin, those are my two. And I might. I can remember very, very early on at the Open this year, Kazuki Higa leading. He was like chipping it in from 80 yards. Oh, Kazuki Higa's uh, four under par. Was that about 656? And then he, and then he the missed morning. the cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, as you say, he's, you know, he's coming in off some form, so um, yeah, these players sometimes get discounted for the wrong reasons, don't they? He won the Dunlop Phoenix last November, which mm. sees a couple of decent PGA Tour Americans every year. He won that, and he's been chalked up at three hundred and fifty to one this week. Uh, sorry, two hundred and fifty to one. Doesn't compute to me. So one of the, another one of these disrespectful prices. So yeah, I think those those will be my three. Are we done? Yeah, all good. Excellent, 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 excellent. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, boys. You too, boys. Hope uh, the listeners' bets go well. We will be back as ever next Tuesday. We've got um, I've got the Shriners open in Las Vegas. Where do you move to, Paul? We have the uh, Spanish Open next week. So, what price, John Rahm? John three to one, five to two, no. five to two, two to one, of, two to one, <laughs> eleven to oh four. Oh my god! Okay, I, I two go to one. I, <laughs> I, I, I suspect he'll be three to one or shorter. So, yeah, he's going to be in that bracket. His last two, I believe, have both been five to two. So, I reckon you might get a bit of eleven to four. Yeah, I think you might open a little bit more and just get absolutely hammered into that kind of price. It's mad, isn't it? Justin Rose is playing as well, which uh, which might help ease the price out marginally. Okay. I look forward to it. Enjoy your golfing week, and we'll see you again next week on the Golf Betting System podcast. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips And so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf